welcome to the 152nd episode of The Week with Roger, a conversation between analysts about all things telecom, media, and technology from Recon Analytics. I'm Don Kellogg, and with me as always is Roger Entner. How are you doing, Roger? Hey, how are you? Good. So, Roger, this week we're also joined by Daryl Schooler. Daryl just joined us here at Recon, and he's an expert on all things infrastructure. So we thought we could talk a little bit about what's going on with RAN this week. Daryl, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, this was quite an interesting week, right? It started like last Sunday with a really cryptic post by Geoff Hollingsworth, the CMO of Rakuten Symphony, about Open RAN and a dog and if you should do a wall and if you should do it or not, right? And and that was followed by his boss, Tarek Amin, one of the biggest proponents of Open RAN, leaving his position of running Rakuten Mobile and, and Rakuten Symphony out in Japan, right? And what else happened? Well, we had the other kind of uh, big flag waiver for Open RAN dish. They're uh, joining back with EchoStar as well, which also uh, brings more light or coverage of the whole Open RAN discussion there's, there as well. Since there's been talking over the last months and so about challenges that they've had and the cost of building their network. If we start with DISH, I think the, the combination with, with EchoStar is a positive for DISH. Both entities are controlled by Charlie Ergen. One is highly indebted, struggles with cash flow, and tries to build the network. The other one is in the satellite business, dish buys their satellite, things from them, has good cash flow, and is not indebted. So you put together the two things, and I think they can finally raise money. The the one thing that was like really puzzling, concerning, you name it, is that DISH said that it would be able to cover the 75% of each PEA that they have to build out, which is a tough mark, through roaming. And I'm like, the FCC made you a party in the deal with, with Sprint and T-Mobile to be the fourth facilities-based carrier and not a hybrid for 70% of the population uh, facilities-based carrier and in 30% of the footprint, an MVNO, perpetually, right? Yes. I mean, this is a good reminder that doing the building out a network from scratch is a very difficult thing to do. And certainly, you know, the FCC... You know, they put, like you said, you know, they, they put goals around what they had to do, which certainly uh, is is driving dish, or you know, certainly is motivating them to roll out at a certain p- pace. that's probably a little bit faster than they want to, and so getting more money through this deal is definitely going to be helpful for them. We'll see if the FCC lets dish get away with it. Dish has a really spectacular public affairs group and got from the FCC basically everything that they ever wanted and then some. 
So we'll see if that happens here too. But you have to give Dish credit for building this standalone 5G open RAN network from scratch. This is no small order. This is really tough. Especially when you think about that they're putting open RAN on top of it. I mean, there's a reason why most entrants are mobile virtual network operators and not actually operators of their own network. It's very expensive and very difficult to do. On top of that, they're going cloud native. Now you're talking about the open RAN part, but they're going cloud native, which is still relatively new. There's not that many standalone 5G networks out there. Then they want to put open RAN on top of that. So they really have a plateful. Yeah, they're the first one. And if you want to do standalone, you have to be cloud native. And so the, the second one who did this with standalone was T-Mobile, right? And they did a couple of weeks ago the first slicing. It's a demo or trial with for developers, but still. In a way, we're very blessed of having such significant technical innovation happening here, right? It's like it shows that the U.S. still has 5G leadership and a lot of innovation happens in the U.S. first. And that's great. But then let's let's flip back to, to the other pioneer, Rakuten, right? Yeah. Jeff Hollingsworth, who I I respect greatly and, and who, who's a really good guy, wrote a really interesting post on, on his blog, and we can put a link to it in the notes, uh, about the CTO, the wall, and the dog. And it sounded very much like that he's of the opinion you don't have to do open run. Well, I think that the gist was that the wall is open ran, and the risks if you if you climb the wall, there's a dog that if you fall is going to savage you, right? And there's not a lot of reason to climb the wall. If you climb the wall, you get to keep on doing the job that you were doing before. But then the kind of punchline at the end is, or you could just walk by and not climb the wall at all, and the dog will leave you alone. So the way I read it was that it implies that open ran is. He's, he's implying that open ran is something if you choose to do it, and there's lots of risks involved, but you don't really have to choose to do it. Well, I think ultimately you have to do it because the cost structure of open ran, while currently is the same, right, should come lower and be more advantageous, especially as you have a lot more flexibility with vendor selection. I would say maybe to both of those. I think in many cases it's it's too early to say and the market itself is evolving and that the original vision of Operan, especially like what you saw with Rakuten and a lot of their early proponents of multi-vendor plug-and-play, I think is evolving more towards cloud-native, supportive open interfaces, yet probably a single vendor for the full stack, like you've seen Dish do in some of the markets with Samsung networks, because it lowers actually the cost of the build and the speed to market, but it gives you ultimately what you want is the insurance to swap vendors or some of the open interfaces on the uh, two RICs to add in features later on. 
right? It's that one throat to choke. And I, I remember a conversation I had with, with Neville Ray, the CTO, president of technology, right? A uh, true networking legend, like several years ago. And I said, like, are you going to go open RAN and, and virtualize your network? And he's like, Roger, are you crazy? I, I'm integrating two networks. Uh, I have to build out nationwide. I want one throat to choke, not finger pointing between so many guys. And the, the funny thing is, right, he, on one hand, he did it. He did both, right? He, he did one throat to choke because a lot of the, the T-Mobile build out has been done with, with Ericsson. And that was the one throat that they choked and they even hired Ulf Ewaldson from Ericsson to make sure they know exactly where to push, who is now the successor. And at the same time, they moved headlong into standalone open RAN, much faster than, than almost anybody else, right? So quite amazing. Yeah, so we'll see what happens, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, and one of the other challenges, even with open RAN, we go back to the cost issue. Where they're attacking the cost is actually the lower cost part of the base station, which is really always been the computing part. The radio still is the most expensive part of the build, and that remains one of the major challenges with the open RAN economics because a lot of the companies, you know, that you need volume to get the prices down, but you can't sell the solution until the prices come down. So it's in a constant chicken and the egg mode. But at the same time, I would say right now, most what the U.S. carriers are buying is open RAN ready equipment. I agree. Yes, again, that gives them the insurance, but the single throat. Exactly. So it's the best of both worlds. But ultimately, I think overall, they they will want to have more leverage in the negotiations and and push for the ability to more easily switch out component because the only thing open in open RAN is the interface between the different components. Whatever is the component, the, you know, the radio, the DU, the CU, you name it, that's all proprietary. It just needs to play nice with other parts. And sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes people take shortcuts and that happens too. Back to Rakuten, I mean, one of the, the things also would be interesting, I think, to watch going forward is not the continuing build of the operator there, but what happens with Symphony? I mean, it's pretty unusual for an operator to also have aspirations to be a global technology supplier as well. You, you just don't really see that much of it, the idea that your mobile operator now wants to turn around and sell base stations to everybody else. Yeah, or be the system integrator. That one always puzzles me because being a carrier is tough, but being an infrastructure provider is even tougher. For example, in, in the U.S., Airspan is, is struggling mightily, and they've done a really good job with, with a lot of their equipment, right? And they were part of that, that symphony thing, and they, they supplied radios to Rakuten in Japan, and they're struggling. Yeah, I mean, the, the vendor business is low margin and high volume. Or low margin and low volume, right? Which is the worst of all worlds. Yeah, generally you don't want two lows at once. 
Yeah. You want one of those two to be high. At least the equipment is theoretically interoperable, right? So you can, somebody goes out of business, you can, uh, you can switch over, right? Theoretically, yeah. But I know on the D and the C, there is issues about chipsets and that while they call it interoperable, there is a certain amount of coding and effort that still goes in place if someone still goes out of business. The big uh, debate between, you know, the look around and Intel method of doing all this. Yeah, it's Qualcomm and, and Intel chipsets, and they are not necessarily interoperable. And by the way, what's really interesting is like when we look at CBRS equipment, and Comcast picked picked a Intel based solution, and Charter picked a Qualcomm based solution. Really funny, right? One would have thought they would pick the same, but who knows? It's early days. I imagine eventually the market's going to lean one way more than the other. I mean, Verizon went Intel, so I think that's a big boost for Intel. Yeah, but Qualcomm has a really good solution. And is it, is it generation ahead? That's the thing. So we'll see who it plays out, right? It will keep us busy. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Thanks, gentlemen. Roger, we'll talk to you next week. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Daryl. Thank you.